0: the swamp 24 7 podcast i'm thomas Goldcamp. joining me today is blake alderman we're here to cut kick around some of the latest topics in the gator nation after uh, a couple busy weeks in terms of the news this week seems like uh, all the talk is around transfers blake uh what's your take on uh, florida at this point has eight transfers uh since the season ended what's your take on some of the latest moves out of florida
1: you know, I think it's just kind of the landscape of. Co- I, I guess more so than anything. I feel like the transfer portal has brought a lot of attention, not even from fans, but I think even to players. It, it, obviously, transferring, this isn't a new concept, but I just feel like it just kind of brings it more to light. It makes it more I don't know, more public that you know that that, that there's a possibility of transferring. Um, so you know I do think that that maybe kind of correlates there. Um, I think most of the guys that Florida, we have seen, come out it's a little expected you know these are guys that are you Mm -hmm. know getting up there as far as eligibility not really you know key guys that are going to be seeing key reps some of these guys are even maybe even passed up in the spring so you know obviously it gives these guys some you know a a better opportunity um but you know then you got your guy like chris Steele, who you know hurts depth so you know i I think there's some good and there's some bad if you if you really kind of look at it overall just from the you know all those guys
0: yeah, that's the thing. You know, I've been asked about it a couple times on the radio. You know, what's the deal with Florida or things, you know, falling apart or whatever? And it's that's not the right question. I mean, you look at it. Dan Mullins just going into his second year. There's always some natural turnover on the roster. I always say, uh, you know, when a coach first takes over, usually that first year, if you look at historical averages, it's usually about seven to ten transfers, somewhere in that range. Now, Dan Mullins, not this is not necessarily the first year. But that's typically what you get in a given year. And right now, Florida's at eight. And I think you said it. Um, I'm looking at the names of the eight guys that have transferred. Four of them were guys that were passed on the depth chart and were veterans and weren't going to play. You know, fourth-year or fifth-year guys. TJ McCoy had gotten passed up for the starting center job. He's going to go transfer and play somewhere else. Uh, You know, Antonius Clayton wasn't really making moves up the depth chart. He's only got two years left. Um, You know, so these are guys, the two linebackers this week that left, Kylan Johnson and Rashad Jackson. um, These are guys that had seen – you know, their chances for playing time diminish based on younger guys moving past. And I think a lot of that's natural attrition. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Yeah. It's and you the, know,
1: even from the linebackers, even mm-hmm. just from jumping in there, if you're Rashad Jackson and, and you're looking at Florida sign a heavy linebacker class in the twenty nineteen class, I mean, writings on the wall.
0: Right. I mean, and just So free I don't practice. think it's
1: a surprise. You know what I mean? It's it's not like right. this big surprise. What is going on now? You know, this is mm-hmm. it's been building.
0: And, I mean, it it hurts Florida's death a little bit. You know, both of those guys were guys where if David Reese goes down, you feel at least okay about what they can bring to the table. But, like you said, these are not losses that are going to cripple Florida's season or anything like that. To me, the ones that are more concerning are obviously the Jalen Jones, Chris Steele, and even a guy like Malik Langham who's only, you know, been around a year. Those are guys you'd like to see not transfer out. But, you know, every program has some of those. So, I don't know. To me, that that more or less wraps up that topic. I I just – I don't even think we need to spend a whole lot of time on it. I just – It was the the topical thing in Gator Gator Nation right now, so let's take it head on. Blake, uh, you had a chance to listen to Dan Mullen on his spring speaking tour. We talked a little bit about it on one of the previous uh, episodes of the podcast, but there were two main topics that came up in his Q&A discussion with the fans that I thought were pretty interesting, and the first one was on Felipe Franks and kind of the expectations at quarterback when you're playing Florida. Um, I'll go ahead and we actually have a clip from that Q&A that you recorded, that i'll kind of lead in a little bit basically a fan um asked dan mullen more or less um, you know what's it going to take to compete for championships and more or less said he do, he's not sure that they can do it with felipe franks and so you'll hear a little bit of that and here's here's dan mullen chiming in on felipe franks and the expectations when you're playing quarterback at florida so
2: number 13 who i know uh, has a tough deal Right? It's not easy to play quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, right? because you're not judged against other quarterbacks in America. Right? There's three giant statues in front of the stadium who you're judged against. Okay? And they're, they're not real tall, but they are imposing. Okay? One of the things he did is when we came in, I think we want Brian Johnson, our quarterback coach, uh, who played, actually I recruited and he played for me in college, so he, he Things very similar, and we're very much in the same wavelength. And he, we spent—I spent a lot of time with the quarterback. Is a tremendous quarterback coach because one, I think we both we can coach actually coach quarterback fundamentals techniques, uh, which a lot of people can't. Um, I think we have a great offense that allows us to highlight the strengths of the quarterback and defend against weaknesses. It's not like one little set system that can only do one thing. We can really highlight their strengths and defend against their weaknesses. Uh, How we set up practices, coach and train them, they buy in and we have a system of which they do and how they meet, how they learn and what we expect of them and then we need buy in and I think he bought bought in and I think, you know, especially, you have to have thick skin a little bit with us, you know, he bought in especially once he decided to not listen to outside noise, nothing against you guys, right? But if y'all were better quarterback coaches than me or Brian, you'd be coaching our quarterbacks. So I said, don't worry about everybody else's opinion on Twitter, because if they were more qualified than Brian or I, they would come coach the quarterbacks, right? Trying to take shots at everybody, right? And he was able to do that after he shushed the crowd, right? And he finally figured out, if I just do what I do really well and believe in the code, they're putting me in a position to highlight my strengths, I'm gonna have success. So I think he had 30 touchdowns, he was responsible for 30 touchdowns with only six interceptions, right? In the uniform, he had more interceptions than touchdowns, right? And here's the funny thing, there's still everybody here, okay, there's about 128 schools in the country, so there's about 127 other schools that would be really juiced if their quarterback went 30 touchdowns and six interceptions. Okay, and then there's one. It's like, again, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm with you, coach. He got a little bit better. He got a little bit better. I'm not all in, but he got a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> but I think that is, and I think he took another big step forward this because he stopped worrying
1: about things that weren't important.
0: So, Blake, what what were your thoughts when you heard Dan Mullen say that live?
1: You know, it's funny because Florida – the thing that when I look at it is that, you know, the the quarterback play at Florida for the last 10-some-odd years there just hasn't been good, and, you know, it's funny because – Felipe was very productive last year, you know, and I think when you look at that, a lot of fan bases would be pretty happy with what they put out there. You know, some, you know, albeit, but, you know, Florida has that, you know, those three Heisman quarterback trophy or winners outside of, you know, their their stadium. So it's obviously a place where, you know, there have been some great quarterbacks. And I think a lot of people want to get back to that. And I think it's more so wanting to reach that point again and have, you know, a guy that you can sort of look up to in that same aspect, if you will. So, you know, I, I think that, a lot of fans would be very happy with Felipe putting in the same numbers that he did last year. So, you know, I think Mullen does have a point there.
0: So, let me ask you this, then. Do you think the expectations are out of whack a little bit at Florida or that they're maybe higher? You know, Dan Mullen says there's 128 FBS schools and, you know, 127 of them would be happy. I mean, is, is this a Florida-specific issue?
1: You know, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. I guess you could say that, you know. Because, again, a lot of schools would be happy with that stat line. You know, I guess there were some games that Felipe, he did struggle in, you know. So there were there were point in the season where, you know, he was kind of getting things to where he was a bit of a problem. You know, he wasn't consistent. You know, there were those same old mistakes he was still making. So I guess to an extent, still, the finished product was, was better than it had looked any other year under him. So, you know, I guess there are some unreal expectations, and it's maybe a little bit different at somewhere like Florida, but... I think a lot of it just has to do with just wanting to get back to that stepping point of having those great quarter, you know, Tim Tebow's, Danny Warful's, you know, those kind of guys there. So I, I guess, yeah, I guess I would say, cause I think a lot of people do compare some of those guys to the greats that they've had there.
0: And see, I, to me, I, I kind of, you know, at first I was like, nah, dude, this is, this happens everywhere. I mean, every quarterback is held to a high standard and if the quarterback, eventually sure. everything is all pointed back to that guy. But the more I started thinking about it, I, I almost do think that Dan Mullen's right, that the expectations, maybe maybe it's not the only place where they're super high for the quarterback sure. and maybe a little bit out of whack, but I, I do think that the expectations are a little different here. Um, I, I look back to the last 10 years when Florida had all that poor quarterback play. Let's face it, they had two coaches that were more or less train wrecks too. There was a lot more that was wrong with the program than just quarterbacks, and yet that's kind of what we gravitate towards when we're talking, you know, breaking down Florida football in the spring, who's going to be the quarterback? You know, is Florida ever going to be able to get a good quarterback play? And you don't, we don't talk as much about the years where the offensive line was atrocious or where, you know, the defense really took a step back after, you know, Will Muschamp's recruits were gone under the Jim McElwain era. So I I do think that there's a focus on the quarterback position at Florida. That's a little different. And I do wonder if there's something to be said for the fact that maybe that pressure makes it a little harder to, play the position at quarterback or even coach it at Florida.
1: Sure. And I think that even kind of goes back to in the same speaking tour that Mullen has had where I don't know if it was in the Q and a part or whatever, but he was talking about just what clicked with Felipe at the point of last season to where he kind of took that step. And it was more so like kind of blocking out fans on Twitter. That's what Mullen used for his exact example was fans on Twitter, just the noise, you know what I mean? And I think that that's hard at a program like Florida because they no want doubt. that quarterback play, you know? I mean, it's yeah, like no you said, doubt. it's always a talking point. Even this year, you know, it, I don't think there's any question that Felipe is going to be the guy. But now we're talking about who's going to be the backup quarterback. Like, there's always some sort of way where it jumps to that discussion. I'm sure that's at every program. Everyone wants to know who the quarterback is. But it just seems like, at somewhere like Florida, it, you know, I think any of those, what, 10 seasons or so of down quarterback play, I, I think a lot of fans would like cut off their right arm to have that stat line, to have someone who played to that level like that. So you know, again, we could go back to the atrocious O-line, you know, the the drop of defensive talent. So there were a lot of things, but still, you know, bad quarterback play. I, I think that a lot of fans would be happy with, what, 30, what, what was the stat line? 30, that he 31
0: touchdowns and six interceptions.
1: I, I mean, the year that Florida had that run under Muschamp and went to the Super, uh, excuse me, the Sugar Bowl and got annihilated by Louisville. I mean, I think a guy with a quarterback like that, I think the game could have been different. So, you know, there are a lot of woulda, coulda, should shouldas there. But, you know, I think that, I think it's pretty good considering that Felipe was really bad the year before Mullen got here.
0: Well, and so that's the thing to me is like when you say Florida fans would take the stat line, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if you, if you write that out on paper and even before the season, people would have been thrilled. Um, I I think what you said is he was so bad the year before that fans were excited almost about the prospects of moving on to the next guy. And again, that's not like a Florida specific thing. Like that happens. The backup quarterback is always the most popular guy sure. on campus But I think the fact that Felipe was so bad in 2017, coupled with him not being a young guy and not knowing how to handle the public aspect of being the quarterback at Florida, his personality kind of rubbed people the wrong way that year. So I think that there was a sense that people were ready to move on to the point where I'm still not sure that Felipe is getting enough credit. Um, And I would have been the last guy to say that in 2017, believe me. (laughs) Uh, But I don't think he gets enough credit for the kind of year he had. And I think that's a real, not only a testament to him, but to Dan Mullen. I mean, this guy really, really turned him around in one year.
1: Sure, and I don't think that a lot of people could do that transformation in one year. I mean, I think that that's a credit also to Mullen being a, a QB guy.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, so that's the that's the, the thing I, I kind of wrote about a little bit on Swamp247.com yesterday, is I, I think it's impressive that even if you take, the fact that Florida maybe puts more pressure on quarterbacks and that makes it harder to play the position, that Dan Mullen has proven pretty much throughout his career he he can do that. I mean, if you can do that with Felipe Franks off the 2017 he had, I think Florida fans have to be pretty, pretty excited about where the future of that position is
1: going. Absolutely. You know, it's not the – it's like the – you knew the years before that, you know, looking at the quarterback, bad play. It it seems like it's just a totally different kind of discussion. It used to be like – uh, quarterback. So now it's like, you know, there, there's some some glimmer to it a little bit, if you want to say that.
0: And that's where the Florida program is right now. I mean, it's very optimistic that, which is funny, because this is a good segue into our second main point that, that fans have really been hitting mulling with throughout the spring on this tour. How does Florida take the next step? Obviously they've got to beat Georgia. It's got to, you've got to come to terms with the fact that Georgia is ahead in the SEC East right now. And fans have asked Dan Mullen that question. Um, so I'll set this this audio clip we have of Dan Mullen's answer about catching Georgia. Um, there was a fan in the audience that his uh, his wife was an FSU fan. And so he brought brought up that last year he, he asked Dan, He stood up at the, the speech and asked Dan Mullen, hey, can you get us an FSU win this year? And Dan, Dan Mullen just said, I got you. And so this fan stood up this year and said, all right, now it's time for Georgia and and how do we catch them? And here's here's Dan Mullen's response to that. So, when,
2: like first everything. Wow, 25 five-stars, 55-stars you got to nine, yeah, yeah. yeah, So I look at it and I say, there's you know, we got a better school. we got a better coach. we got better, yeah. better I don't know, facilities like, so and all
0: that stuff. Yeah. So what are we, what are we guessing out on? And I say, well, it's either the recruiting staff big enough for what? This is a serious question. Or is it just they pay a lot? I don't know. That's so, <laughs> so that was the I'm going to try to get a really politically correct
2: answer for that. i um, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you. I think a lot of times they, they have a quick catch start on us. we've so been there a little bit longer. Uh, you know, but as we get the program built to where we want to get to, uh, to me, you know, I mean, we're working on our facilities. Uh, I do think... You know, if you look at our facilities, if you look at the Hawkins Center, we have a premier academic facility. Uh a in the swamp. We have one of the premier stadiums in the, in the country. Our, our day-to-day football operations building and administrative building, we're probably way, uh, I, I mean, perfectly honest, we're, we're, we're dead last in the SEC and probably uh, by, by a wide margin between 13th place and us uh, on day-to-day facilities. And so, and that is a big deal for kids because they want to see how they're going to be trained and developed every day. And I think they look at our coaching staff does an amazing job of developing people. But I do think that's one of the things we've done a great job of creating a plan of what we have for the future. And we have a plan for the future. I know uh, when I when I got to Florida, we looked at this plan of like we, hey, we can rush and build a football facility in this location right now. And I looked at it and i like, you know, that's really not a premier facility. It'd be better than what we have, but it's not premiering. I'm just not. I want us to have the best of the best of everything. So, as we're coming, our our future facility plans, which is that we're building a new baseball stadium. And the second that gets done, we can knock down the old baseball stadium and build the premier football facility in all of college football.
0: So, Blake, obviously, Dan Mullen, a little bit of a politically correct answer there. Um, Anytime you're asked about recruiting like that, uh, it's a little tricky because you don't want to provide the schools that are recruiting against you any more ammo. But at the same time, you do want to give these fans a little bit of truth uh, when you're answering on these spring tours. What's your takeaway from – I mean, is it just a facilities issue for Florida in terms of catching up with Georgia?
1: You know, I think that it would help. You know, I think that there are obviously little things like – You know, having a standalone football only locker room, you know, I guess little things like that do matter. I feel like, you know, the glimmer and glitz of some of these college campuses do kind of catch some of these kids attention because kids like nice things. Um, So I I do think that little things like that, you know, I also think that having the Hawkins Center for some of these kids who do take academics and look in that, that building alone, I think, is something that catches parents attention. And, you know, you always want to win mom. And I think that that's one of the good things they have there. So I think that's a good way that Florida has a lot of things that can catch the parents' attention. And I think little things like that, you know, I think everyone wants to have like the Clemson thing where you have like, you know, a slide and, you know, uh, all these mm-hmm. little things. Yeah, you know, I think South Carolina has like a barber shop and one of their, you know, there there are things like that that kids think are cool. You know, most fans who are older may think, you know, whatever, who cares about those things. But like 16, year old kids, like things like that do matter. But I think at the same time, you also need to have some guy who's going to be the closer. And I don't know that if you look at Florida's complete staff that you can think of, you know, who's going to be that guy that's going to be, you know, your ace recruiter, the one who you send in to kind of shut everything down and get it done. So, you know, I I do think that things like that, obviously a lot of turnover in their recruiting offices, you know, losing Cordell Landers, losing uh, maybe Otis Yelverton on leave, whatever's going on there. Um, Obviously Chuck Cantor on the way out there. So, I mean, there's turnover in there too. So I think it's a lot of things facilities could be one of them, but I think there are other things too that Florida should also look at too, as far as recruiting.
0: Well, and the thing to me is the facilities aren't happening right away. I mean, that's, that it's, that's three, three years down the road, most likely, you know, if, if all goes well and the funds are raised on schedule. So if you're Dan Mullen, you got to find some way to, to make a dent before then. Okay. And we, we fo- we're focused on recruiting right there. Um, but I think it's more than that. I, I think, You know, I I hate to say it, but at some point you got to beat Georgia pretty soon. Sure. Because uh, you know, I mean, that's how that's how you ultimately that's how you flip the narrative in recruiting and start to catch up with Georgia is you beat them and you say, hey, you know, we're building.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things too. Luke Stampini on Swamp Twenty Four Seven. He spoke with uh, Florida commit Gervin Dexter. Uh, the four-star defensive tackle out of Lake Wales, who is still keeping an eye on Georgia. He's visited Georgia, and he took a visit to Georgia, I want to say it was sometime in April, um, and Luke actually wrote a story on, on Swamp 24-7 where, you know, what was the message that George is giving you? And and Kirby, you know, is basically telling him, you know, like, I beat Mullen in Florida every year. Now, mind you, that's a recruiting pitch, and there are ways you can pick that apart because obviously sure. Mully's sure. only been there one year. But <laughs> it, it's something that they're using to recruits, and, you know, is Is he going to research that? you know I mean, is that something he's just going to take the coach's word so it it the only way to really cure that pitch is by beating them
0: no doubt, and so we, I mean we've talked about it it's not it's not a secret that Florida's recruiting office recruiting staff is maybe not the strongest out there in terms of just outright selling kids and obviously, George is ahead right now i i the thing that's I think Florida fans are probably going to have to come to grips with is that this dan Mullins approach to a program isn't probably the same as the Urban Meyer approach where you come in and you're recruiting lights out classes with elite playmakers that are gonna that are gonna turn things around. I don't necessarily see that happening under Dan Mullen. Even if he makes some staff changes here and there. I think that Dan Mullen is much more of a program builder. And I think that's that should be exciting for Florida fans in a lot of ways because I think that's more sustainable long term. Um, but to me, you know, fixing the recruiting issue is about minimizing risk. I, I think there's a chance that Dan Mullen gets to where he needs to be and catches Georgia by building the program. You just got to hope that some, you know, some games here and there don't go the wrong way or the, the, the ball doesn't take a bad bounce. Um, I mean, am I wrong there, Blake? Do you, do you see a way that Florida suddenly starts recruiting at a Georgia level, let's say?
1: You know, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think that a lot of it has to do with Georgia's winning these big games. You know, they're they're making playoff run appearances. I think things like that can help kickstart a lot of things in your mm-hmm. program. But I, I don't think that Mullen is going to be the guy that is going to. The hard part is is that the kids in the state of Georgia are very loyal to in-state programs. And and I know it could be an excuse, but man, the state of Florida is the Wild West. I don't care what anyone says. You have Alabama, you have Clemson, you have Georgia, you have all these big time schools. I mean, it's not just Georgia that you're competing against on the recruiting trail in Florida. And you're going against a lot of kids or excuse me, a lot of schools. So I do think that there's a little bit of differences. You look at the state of Georgia, you have a five-star. You think, yeah, he's probably going to Georgia. When you have a five-star kid in South Florida or, you know, whatever, where yeah, he's got knows, offers from right? there. But, yeah, I mean, it's it could be a coin flip at some point. So I do think that there are little differences there. I do think that Mullen is on the right track. I do think he's going to continue. I, I agree with you completely. I think he's a program builder, and I think things like that will come. So, can come.
0: So- so what does Florida have to do? I mean, uh, I mean, give me some kind of timeline. What do they have to beat Georgia this year?
1: I don't know. It has to be this year. I think it has to be next year. I, I mean, I think this year, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a must-win. I think you need to beat Georgia this year or next year. You need to start getting things going in the right direction. Um, you know, I think that this year could obviously make things go a lot quicker. You could kind of get some of those recruiting pitches out of the way. You can keep some of these guys in the state of Florida, perhaps home. It's great, you know, but I think it's something that needs to happen in the next two years, if not this season.
0: And and if, uh, you know, people may not agree with me that Dan Mullins recruiting may not get leaps and bounds better. Maybe it does. But I think if you're going to build the stable way, uh, the way I see him trying to build the program, it's about stability. And I think part of that is not taking a big step back on the field this year. So to me, it's going to be really important to see Florida produce at least – similar results in terms of win losses they don't have to win every game but you gotta you gotta continue to show that there is a foundation being laid because at some point if you can do that consistently enough for long enough you can sell guys on that to me sure
1: i think as far as recruiting goes i don't know that there are must win game as far as recruiting goes i don't know that there's a you know a kid who's sitting there saying like well man Florida doesn't win this many games. Yeah, I don't think I'm going there. I think it's playing close games, showing like you said, showing right. that it is on the right track. You know, don't go out and get obliterated by, you know, Georgia. Don't go out and get, you know, play them close. Show them that you have the right track that, you know, you are the missing piece that we need. You know, I think that that goes a lot more than, you know, we won this many games, we done this. Sure, I'm sure kids like to hear that, but as far as seeing it for yourself, I think a lot of kids just want to know that things are going on the right track. You know, if I come here, Am I going to get A developed and B is the program going in the right way? Well,
0: and there's two ways to look at closing the gap too. Um, Recruiting is obviously the one that our subscribers on swamp247.com really focus on. And I think that's fair. I mean, when you look at the national champions, you know, they're loaded usually in the 50 to uh, above 50, usually in the 60 or more percent range of blue chip, four star, five star prospects. The one thing I'll say is though, Although Dan Mullen hasn't quite landed those five-star, truly elite types yet, the roster looks significantly different from a blue-chip balance standpoint. There's a lot more four-stars. And I think the depth on the roster is much better overall, which, again, is indicative to me of the fact that he's building the program up. And I think I think that alone begins to bring you some of that consistency that you expect to see. Um, and, and so I think that'll certainly help. I also think that Dan Mullen... We haven't seen much at Florida in the past. We haven't seen guys really using transfers the way Dan Mullen has. I mean, you look at Florida's receiving core. Those two transfers are going to be their best guys.
1: Sure. That's what I was going to actually jump into is where, you know, maybe not the four or five star guys that you look at, but I, I will say that they have capitalized on the transfer portal. Like you said, not only that, but, you know, Adam Schuler looks like he could be a guy for Florida this year that they really count on. And he really kind of, played a bigger role than I think a lot of people expected whenever you know we' were writing a story Adam Schuler transfers from West Virginia I think a lot of fans are like who is this guy what's going on and he ended up playing a lot better role than he did and he looks to be kind of a key guy for Florida this year
0: yeah yeah I mean he's almost irreplaceable and I think you could say the same thing about you know Trayvon Grimes and, and Van Jefferson sure. I mean the, you know those guys are going to be absolutely pivotal and you know I mean credit Dan Mullen you know we talk about the recruiting rankings and what the class finishes. Those, those guys don't get factored in. Now, you're not going to get guys like that every year, obviously. Right. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of evidence that, that Dan is slowly inching the program closer to Georgia, even though some of the things like recruiting, you know, the, the fan that asked Mullen, you know, it's 525 five-stars or whatever the number is. All right, Florida doesn't have those guys. But look at the progress that was made in year one. I think that's pretty encouraging. And I, I think there's a lot of signs that that can continue for Florida.
1: Sure. I think the thing that Dan needs to do now is just continue the plan that he has now and worry about taking that next step, you know, winning those games against Georgia this year, you know, the blueprint, the foundation, it all looks promising for sure. All
0: right, Blake. Well, that was a good, good episode. I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, We'll be back, you know, in the next week or two. I think Blake and Luke have some recruiting stuff on tap. Uh, But for now that's going to do it for the Swamp 24-7 podcast.